0: Broadcasting from the Ten Hudson Square Building, home of WNYC Radio in Soho, New York. Welcome to Brand on Purpose, the podcast dedicated to uncovering the untold stories behind the most impactful purpose-driven companies. My favorite company is a purpose-driven company, and I'm really proud to say that my guest today is Sarah Hartman. Sarah's many things—I can rattle off a whole list here: a marathoner, a triathlete, a certified USAT race director. But most importantly, Sarah has been serving for some time now as executive director of the Iron Man Foundation. And I'll let Sarah talk about what the Iron Man Foundation does and her role there. But one of the things I find really interesting is that you've had three careers. And I'm going to assume that at least for now, this is your most favorite career. And Sarah has been with the foundation for about two and a half years. Before that, she was co-founder and president of an amazing organization called Race to Rebuild, which I'm sure we'll hear about. And has a background in theater and also was an executive at a technology startup for a number of years. For those of you who know me, and of course Sarah knows me quite well, and full disclosure, Iron Man and Iron Man Foundation is a client, one of my favorite clients, because I myself am an endurance athlete, a very mediocre age grouper. But, you know, sports and uh, participatory sports, endurance sports changed my life not too long ago. Personally, I only race for charities, big races, small races, no, but any big race that I have, I always raise money and the foundation's amazing. I had an opportunity to race with the foundation back in 2014. So Sarah, welcome to Brand on Purpose and it's great to have you in studio.
1: Thank you so much for having me. What an honor.
0: In the endurance world, and the athletics world, we talk about journeys, right? And I'm a big believer that nobody just gets up off the couch and does an Ironman. Or decides to do a rock and roll, which I should mention, Ironman also owns rock and roll race series now. Some people get up off the couch and say, "I'm going to do a marathon," but there's usually for an endurance event like an Ironman or half Ironman, there's usually a personal purpose. And what I find really interesting about the foundation is, is you're at that nexus of both personal purpose, but also a purpose for the greater good. Mm -hmm. But talk a little bit about maybe we can start with just your own journey in your own career. And what brought you to Iron Man Foundation, which I'm going to say is the pinnacle of your career. But I know you've got a lot of runway left, but talk a little bit about your journey. And I'm very interested in the theater portion.
1: All right. Well, let's go backwards. Okay. So the Iron Man Foundation is the charitable arm of the Iron Man Group. And you already mentioned that in addition to Iron Man events, the company owns the Rock and Roll Marathon Series, additionally, Absa Cape Epic and the Cape Epic Mountain Bike Racing Series, Velathon, Cycling, and we're also a partner with the Abbott World Marathon Majors. It's the largest endurance sports brand in the world, right. engaging millions of athletes, and they're all having profound, life-changing experiences by crossing finish lines, like you have, like I have had. Right. And the foundation's role is to work, you know, inside the brand as a community to change people's lives and more specifically by creating positive, tangible impact in all the communities where our race events are held. And we do that by providing grant funding and supporting volunteer efforts. And so this year we'll give over $1.8 million across 64 different race communities. That'll go to about 1,500 local nonprofit organizations. And it's a way for us to leave our legacy, our Ironman legacy, if you will, behind in the community after we race. And so our tagline for some time has been race for more. And as you said, every athlete has a personal story. What is motivating them to cross that finish line, which in and of itself is a life-changing event.
0: Right. And you guys have raised, correct me if I'm wrong, but in excess of $50 million since the foundation has started, right?
1: Correct. So across all of the Ironman charitable get back programs, it's right. over $50 million to about 8,300 organizations. And we like to say that's creating change in countless lives, but it's tangible. And it's been a real honor to be part of, it's certainly a pinnacle moment for me when people ask, what's your job like? I, without abandon say, I feel like I'm living inside my wildest dream that I've been able to marry several things that are really important to me. And we'll get back to my career path, but certainly sport and power of endurance sports and what that means and to work, you know, inside the biggest brand is tremendously exciting and to be able to work with athletes on a daily basis is truly remarkable. And
0: and the tagline is anything is possible for the Ironman group, right? Correct. And it's funny because I feel like that's just as appropriate for the foundation.
1: Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. It resonates for us every single day. So I get to be inside a sport where anything is possible. I get to be in service to people, to communities, to nonprofit organizations, and I get to create change through sport. And it is, as I said, really, really remarkable. For me, just prior to sports and nonprofit, I, as you mentioned Spent over a decade in a technology startup, and it was a really interesting time in my life and very informative and got to learn a lot about being a business leader, about what kind of leader I wanted to be in business. And towards the end of that role, I started racing triathlon I had moved from Los Angeles back to New York City. I fell in with a group of people who were racing and training for triathlons all the time. And after work, they'd sit around and talk about, you know, how far did you ride and what were your watts and what right. did you eat and what's your long ride this weekend? And I had nothing to say in the conversation. Right. No, it's a very specific
0: culture, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, as you soon learned, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And so
1: I set on the path of racing my first sprint triathlon, which I did in Staten Island. And I'll never forget the feeling of of crossing that finish line and being able to say, I am a triathlete. Mm -hmm. And later that year, I raced my first New York city marathon. So went from always being active and in sports to being a triathlete and then being a long distance runner. It was a pretty good first season. And second season, I think I did like 27 triathlons, including my first Ironman 70.3 race. And so just completely drank the Kool-Aid and fell in love with the sport and knew that I wanted to make a life inside of it. And, you know, change is hard by its nature, but when you're in a career that's really solid and very secure and you realize you want to make a change, it takes some guts and some grit. And so the way it all played out was I was training for my second New York City Marathon in 2012, which, you know, was canceled because of Hurricane Sandy. Right. And so myself and a bunch of my triathlete and runner friends banded together and we coordinated relief efforts all around the New York metro area. So we were... Marathon Sunday had five different groups in, you know, the surrounding area in Staten Island and out in Long Beach and Long Island. And it was such a chaotic time, but our group. I mean, half
0: Manhattan was still out, right? Yeah.
1: It was really, really an incredible experience. And so we would get calls from different groups, different leaders, you know, the mayor's office would call and say, Sarah, can your group send 50 runners down to Coney Island? There's no power in the high rises and we need you guys to run up the stairwells, knock on the doors, make sure the seniors have their medications and enough water, make sure they're safe, like perfect job for a runner, you know, a triathlete. And so we did that for about six weeks and worked all in the area with different groups and in the Rockaways.
0: And again. you you were based in the New York area already. Okay.
1: Yeah. I was living in Brooklyn at the time. That's very, very hip of you. I love Brooklyn, and I miss it a lot.
0: (laughs) I I like that part of Brooklyn where it's like that flat four miles in the New York City Marathon, where you could just put your head down and crank. Yeah, it's amazing. Exactly. Yeah, and it's good vibe. But just going back a second, so being in a startup is not probably that dissimilar from being in a nonprofit environment, right? You have to have a lot of grit, a lot of resilience. You are constantly raising money, Mm -hmm. and you are strapped for resources, and at the same time, you have a vision that you're solely focused on. I mean, I think there's a lot of similarities.
1: Absolutely. And my mom and dad always remind me that every part of my journey is leading to the next part of the adventure.
0: Right. So even I, if you don't know what that next part, I is, had no idea at that right. time,
1: had no idea that right. race to rebuild would be the group that was formed out of what happened out of hurricane Sandy. So it this is a nonprofit 501 C three, We expanded from the Sandy Market, you know, not only rebuilding homes in Long Island and New York and New Jersey and Brooklyn. The program brings together athletes in communities that are recovering from disaster to raise funds, to race there and then stay and help rebuild. We expanded to New Orleans and Detroit and Texas and South Carolina and eventually Ecuador. And it was in Texas and Ecuador that I was first we received some grant funding from the Ironman Foundation.
0: Oh, and, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's so interesting. That's how
1: that conversation so, started, and so
0: that's the the next step. That's the level of connectivity. That's how you found exactly, out about Ironman Foundation,
1: exactly. And I was, yeah. you know, invited to join the team and Race to Rebuild now lives in Washington D.C. It is a program of a forty-year-old national nonprofit called Rebuilding Together. They have one hundred and forty-five affiliates around the country, and they are racing and rebuilding and fundraising and engaging athletes to give back in a tangible way. And then I get to do that kind of work at the Ironman Foundation, but then across all kinds of different sectors. You know, we're feeding the hungry and building schools and community centers and and all kinds of great
0: work. So I think what's really unique is oftentimes people in your role, it could be a huge corporation, right? Usually have to carry the heart for the organization, right? And they're constantly pushing their way in and making sure that the C-suite knows that you're there and that it's not just something to do just for reputation or for brand but it's actually part of the core you're in a very interesting role in that Ironman in its very essence is a very purpose built and purpose driven brand the Ironman group right and then you have this like additional role to help really bring it to life and to bring that back to the communities in which not just you're racing but the communities we all live in and you must have known there must have been something inside of you since you were very young Maybe you didn't know it, but there's a path for all of us I think, but you must have known that eventually you'd be able to kind of combine both your commercial skills and your theatrical skills which we still need to talk about along with kind of the give back and the purpose in being able to provide more to society.
1: For sure, again it's interesting how the journey unfolds and you're right, you know, Ironman, our mission is to create these incredible life changing race events for our athletes. And the foundation does add an, an additional layer to that in that we're not only creating this experience for athletes, but we are then in turn creating incredible life changing moments and impact for the people who live in the community. Right. You're like this race.
0: exponential factor. Yeah. It's just you're taking something that's already amazing yeah. individually and you're making it great for the. For for the greater good for the collective. For sure. There's no other organization I can think of that functions like that.
1: Well, it's certainly been really interesting. And I'll tell a quick story about one of the partner brands that we work with at Ironman and the Ironman Foundation. That's our global running shoe partner, Hoka One. We just came from Ironman Santa Rosa a couple of weeks ago. And as you probably know, that area was Really badly hit by the Tubbs wildfires of 2017 and ongoing wildfires, really, all throughout California. But the Tubbs fire in 2017 damaged over 8,300 homes and businesses in that area. And now here it is almost two years later, and they feel completely forgotten, right? Nobody's talking about the wildfires of 2017. But we had an opportunity to partner up with a local organization and neighborhood where the homes are coming back, which is amazing, but there's still a whole area where it hasn't been cleared of the wildfire debris. And nobody's really helping them or reaching out to them. And so we made this connection. Hoka Oneone came in as a partner. They've been extremely generous to work with us and social impact is a huge part of their ethos and their brand. And so we have this really incredible relationship where they're give generous donations to the Ironman Foundation and then they bring their staff and participate in our service project opportunities alongside our athletes, our Ironman staff. We went to this neighborhood and worked alongside 10 of the homeowners Each one of them had lost their homes. Each one of them still almost two years later, not back in their houses and 50 athletes and Hoka staff and Ironman staff worked side by side to clear out all the remaining wildfire debris. There were a lot of tears that day. Oh yeah. The homeowners couldn't believe that athletes would carve time out of their race week. They're getting ready for, you know, 140.6 miles to come and help them. And in turn, the athletes were so moved by that opportunity and the gratitude that they felt, it was pretty cool to have the staff from Hoka there with us and Miranda Carfre, who is an Ironman Foundation ambassador, pro triathlete, three-time Ironman world champion, an
0: incredible person, incredible
1: yeah. person. Yeah. She wasn't racing, so she felt like she could get a good workout in, and she Mm -hmm. like slapped on a weed whacker and just went to town for two hours. And at one point, I looked over and somebody handed her a Gatorade, and she took it just like she was at an aid station. Like,
0: (laughs) was she wearing swim goggles to protect her eyes, or was she just wearing regular (laughs) goggles? (laughs) Goggles,
1: yeah, that's great. Yeah, it was an astounding day, but I love the convergence of all of those things. Right? There's purpose and there's impact. That there's an issue that we can help solve. Right. And then we bring together amazing people, the people who are actually impacted our athletes, our partner brands, our staff. And we have this remarkable moment where change occurs. And I've always felt really drawn in nonprofit to the opportunity where, cause we all feel good when we give money or when we raise money.
0: There's just a big study in uh, Harvard that uh, talked about volunteerism. And how that's actually the route to happiness, absolutely. especially for people, you know, if you've lost a loved one, but you know, if you're trying to battle loneliness, the best thing you can do is volunteer. I mean, I'm I volunteer with like a capital V, it could be anything, but yeah.
1: Yeah. There's something when you shake the hand of that person whose life you're changing, it's a life changing moment for everybody. Sure. For sure. So, uh, yeah, sports and nonprofit has been a pinnacle moment for me. Being in the technology company was a bit of a, a fluke that I got into it. My initial career was in theater and film and TV. So I grew up in New York. I did my undergraduate work at Hofstra University and sure. the theater program there Long in Long Island. Lived here in the city for a little while and then did my graduate work at the professional theater training program at the University of Delaware, which is a really intense three-year MFA program. Uh, they take one class per cycle, so there's no upper underclassmen and you basically, it's like a very intense boot camp. So on, did
0: you always want to be a thespian, as they say, or did you always want to be in the in theater and arts and From a very
1: early age, yeah. Do you
0: still? It's got to be still gnawing at you a little.
1: You know, when you adopt a craft, it becomes ingrained in your DNA. It's muscle
0: memory. It is
1: muscle memory, exactly. So a big part of my life is still arts and culture and supporting all of my friends who are in the industry, seeing their films and television shows and going to their plays. And from time to time, I'll do a reading or a small project. And every once in a while, I get a hankering for some of the great women. You know, I've had the honor of playing all of Shakespeare's great women. And mm. I grew up in the theater.
0: Were your parents theatrical or not any at siblings? All. No. Do you say?
1: Bro- I do. It's how I started. My brother's a musician, lives here in New York. And my parents are both teachers. So we're not quite sure how they, how two artists, <laughs> how we came about. but. Yeah, started at a young age. There was a, a professional theater in town. And so I would, you know, after school, go to play practice for the school play. I'd, right. you know, then take the bus over to rehearsal at night for the professional show. I'd come home, take a quick nap, do my homework. I learned at a really young age how to work hard and how to get it all in. And and,
0: and, and quite frankly, how to get your game on, right? Because I've had the great fortune of hiring folks who have theatrical backgrounds. We've got, I think of someone in, in our London office, we've got someone in our New York office who actually is a magician on the side mm-hmm. and helps with this podcast. The name is Magic Matt. We've got a couple of mats, so he's Magic Matt. And I've found that people who have theatrical backgrounds know how to get their game on. They know how to stay focused and they handle stress very differently in a really good way mm-hmm. and pressure. And because at the end of the day, we're all asked to perform in our jobs, right? Uh, Being performative is what we're all, it's a common thing that we're all asked of. And I feel like people with those backgrounds are very special. Unlike anything else, you know, everybody goes to law school to get a law degree and they're like, oh, that's the best thing you can do. It's a good basis. I'm like, "Mm, yeah, sure, fine. But what we are talking about is like a real life skill.
1: It has served me in multiple capacities, you know, certainly the amount of speaking in media and things that I do in my role now are informed by that, being able to tell stories, being able to express my passion for service and sport and all the opportunities that we're able to provide through the Ironman Foundation. That's all informed by where I came from on stages in New York and Chicago and Los Angeles and producing plays and producing galas and that sort of thing from an early age that all wraps up into nonprofit and the kinds of things that I do now.
0: And it's a form of persuasion and that's what you're doing now, right? I mean, I I feel like you are persuading current athletes, runners, triathletes, endurance athletes, not just to race, but you call it race for more. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And so how, I mean, I know how to do this, but for people who are listening, who may or may not have ever done a half marathon or marathon or a full Ironman or half Ironman, how do they get involved with the Ironman foundation? What are the options? What's the optionality? (laughs) Is it, is it choose your own adventure in terms of picking charities? Like how does that work? And what are some of the charities that you're working with?
1: Multiple opportunities to get involved and again, to race for more. And just again, thinking back to our collective feeling about crossing finish lines, it's a life-changing moment. It's something, uh, you know, I would love everybody to experience at some point in their lifetimes, whether it's a 5k or a sprint or a full distance Ironman or Leadville 100 or, you know, any number of races.
0: I often say, my wife doesn't love it when I say this, but I'll say the only thing greater than crossing a finish line at an Ironman was the birth of my two children seeing them take their first breath. And my yeah. wife's like, what about our marriage? I'm like, that's in the top five, <laughs> top 10. Maybe my bar mitzvah is up there. I don't know. But like, there's no other feeling beyond having a child and seeing that happen, seeing the tiny little human being take their first breath. There's no greater feeling that you can describe than crossing a finish line, knowing that you didn't just do it for yourself, but you're saving lives and you're impacting others.
1: Absolutely. So, As I mentioned, the Ironman Foundation provides grant funding in all the communities where we race. It allows us to leave a positive, lasting legacy behind after race day. So it's about 1,500 organizations that will receive close to $2 million this year.
0: And many of them repeat, right? Because these races that obviously occur every year, some don't, but many do, then there's an opportunity for it to happen again and again. Continuity, definitely.
1: So- one of our primary ways that an athlete can race with us is on team IMF. IMF stands for Ironman Foundation. Sure, It's our peer-to-peer fundraising program where essentially we give you a race entry to an Ironman or Ironman 70.3 event. And you commit to a minimum fundraising commitment in exchange for that entry. For your race kit, for this once in a lifetime experience where you might be standing next to Mirinda Carfrey, three time Ironman world champion, giving back in a race community at a service project. It's been. Extremely popular this year. We have a lot of younger athletes who are racing with us this year for the first time. And that's a pretty exciting thing to be a part of because it's kindling a real excitement, not only for them inside the sport of triathlon, but they're also having this community service experience where they're creating positive social impact and really, really making a difference in other people's lives. And so if there are any Team IMF athletes out there who are listening or any potential Team IMF athletes, I would say, good for you. And thank you for being part of this community. The, the theme this year for Ironman, we always choose one in advance of the Ironman World Championship. This year it is Ohana. And that's the Hawaiian word for family. And when you're part of the Ironman Foundation, you're part of a, a larger community of family or, or family that includes all of our athletes and our staff and the volunteers who help make the races possible. And in turn, also all the nonprofits that we serve with our grant funding and all of their constituents, we are all racing for more. We have another option called community fund entries, which is a little bit easier when you register for these races, and there are about 15 of them in North America, where you register and pay twice the sticker price, where half of it is a tax-deductible donation to the Ironman Foundation. And it's yet another way where you can really impact lives through your Ironman journey.
0: And I, and I guess the one footnote to this, or disclaimer, everybody said this to me, but I didn't believe it is how addictive the sport is, right? So- <laughs> I remember I did my first Ironman in 2012, the New York one, which is a one and, done. one and done. But I remember being on the run course and literally dry heaving on the West side highway at mile 23, loving every minute of it though. And saying to people like spectators, and I think I saw my wife and one of my children at the time who was there. And I said, this is one and done. This is, I'm never doing this again. And you know, the seconds after you cross the line and you're crying, you know, you're like, I could do that again. And actually I could do better, I think. And uh, my first Ironman, I raised funds for an organization called Center Lane. I wasn't familiar with the foundation, unfortunately, at the time. But fortunately, I was on the board of Westchester Jewish Community Services, and they have this organization called Center Lane, which is an LGBTQ organization for teens and their straight allies. Mm -hmm. And they're about to go out of business. And I figured, well, if I'm going to do one Ironman, I might as well raise money. And I raised $30,000. Wow. And thankfully, half of it, because I went to my clients Mm -hmm. And I think people are like, wow, this is crazy. You're going to swim that long in the Hudson River and you're going to do all this, you know, you're going to swim 2.4 miles and bike 112 and then run a full marathon. I said, well, it's not going to be a run. It'll be like a walk run type thing. And I knew that I had actually the Wall Street Journal did a story on it, which was kind of serendipitous. And I think my final quote in the story was, if I have to crawl, because you're allowed to crawl, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) I'll crawl. I'm not going to not finish. I'm not going to, you know, as they say, DNF. Right. Or DNS, which is do not start. For those of you who don't know, who are listening. DNF is did not finish. And the other thing that drives you when you're doing something for charity, not just for yourself, is you don't want to let those people down. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, yes, sure. I already raised the money and it's going to them, but I have to finish the deal. The deal is I need to finish the race. So warning to everyone, it's highly addictive, it's
1: highly addictive. And it, and it does it's the give best addiction to have, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You're doing something for yourself and, and proving something to yourself, but you're also impacting lives of other people. And I'll tell another quick story about sure. some of our Ironman foundation work and what our athletes have helped us do when natural disasters strike our race communities. We call upon our whole Ironman community around the world to help support our humanitarian relief efforts and, we've become pretty adept at launching these campaigns and helping to create impact in terms of communities recovery. So hurricane Harvey and Irma and Maria and the wildfires in Santa Rosa, I mentioned, and last year, hurricane Florence and uh, of course, hurricane Michael when hurricane Michael hit the Panama city beach area, which is home of Ironman Florida and Ironman 70.3 Gulf coast, we were poised to celebrate the 20th year of Ironman Florida.
0: Right. And those are very popular races. Very popular races.
1: Yeah. And it's an amazing community. As you know, it was completely decimated by Hurricane Michael and Ironman did something that it had never done before, which was move the location of the race. So you can imagine we are all in Kona at the time at the Ironman world championship and behind the scenes, the team worked to move the location from Panama city beach, Florida to Haines city, Florida, which is outside of
0: Orlando, which is for our listeners moving an Ironman, even with six months out, let alone how many, we had a week, three weeks, three weeks okay. Three weeks out, that is almost impossible, right? And to pull it off correctly and safely, because safety is the number one goal, right? It's an amazing thing. It's absolutely amazing. And most organizations would have just said, no, forget it. I'm sorry, but, you know, we'll see you next year.
1: Yeah. And as our CEO, Andrew Messick, has said before, it was our finest moment as a company, as an organization. And what was even better was that the athletes came you know, they didn't have to change their travel schedules and their hotels and their flights. They came, and not only that, they helped raise over $200,000 to support Hurricane Michael relief efforts with the Ironman Foundation. And that was also in large part to generous donations from, again, Hoka Oneone and the Firehouse Subs Public Safety Foundation. The race was incredible, and everybody was there with a focus on doing it for the residents of the Panama city beach area. So they were racing for more and with purpose. And so now we're back in Panama city beach. It's beautiful and open for business and ready to host our events. And we just came from the Ironman 70.3 Gulf Coast in Panama City Beach and awarded our first round of grant funding. We gave $100,000 to the Panama City Housing Commission. They're trying to build long-term sustainable housing as quickly as possible. It's a massive crisis for them That must have been a
0: very emotional moment.
1: Yeah, it is something else to hear from the gentleman who runs the Housing Commission that he still has a blue tarp for a roof and that he has neighbors who are homeless and he's doing everything that he can and so the solution we came up with was that he's going to take our grant funding and they are building 3d 3d printed concrete homes so cool super cool new yeah. technology these robots can build a house in 4 days and they're great. They look like craftsmen cottages. And we're excited to go back there in November for Ironman Florida. We'll get to see the houses and meet the families who live there. But we'll also offer more grant funding to local nonprofits who are helping the community recover. And the day after the race, we're bringing hundreds of volunteers to do a large-scale rebuilding project. So helping a neighborhood recover. And it, again, is this idea that you can be involved in a sport that is highly addictive, as you said, very empowering. I also think it's, it's a really unique sport. I can't think of any other sport where an age group athlete is racing on the same course with professional triathletes. Sure. It's a very unique opportunity to be with athletes like Sarah True, who's a multi-time Olympian. She's also an Ironman Foundation pro-athlete ambassador, incredible athlete. She was our top American finisher at the Ironman World Championship last year. You are racing on the same course next to an Olympian. It's pretty amazing to come together in this incredible sport It's highly addictive, very unique, providing life-changing opportunities for its athletes, but then being able to change of their lives.
0: You're also either maybe inadvertently, but you're also creating many case studies for others to follow, right? So I think about the example with the 3D printed housing option, right? I can only imagine that others are going to look at that and say, how do we do that? Right. And so what you're doing is you're also building scale. Like you might not be executing all the time, but you're imprinting in a positive way for other organizations, both for-profits and nonprofits to follow your lead. And I think that's incredible.
1: Well, we'd like to set an example or or thoughtfully choose nonprofit partners who are doing incredible work and leaving a lasting impact. And that's very often the conversation we'll have when, when we go into a community where we're racing and how can we make the biggest difference? What kind of impact can we make? How can we be a great partner? And that's a pretty exciting conversation to be able to have.
0: So- What's the best way for people to find out about Ironman Foundation and get involved? Visit the website, follow you on social. How do they do that?
1: All of the above. Yeah. So visit us at ironmanfoundation.org. You can read all about our give back programs and how to get involved, whether you're racing with us or if there are any organizations that you work with that are perhaps eligible for grant funding. We have multiple give back programs That include community grant program, volunteerism grant program, Women for Tri has some grant opportunities. That's a program that works to increase female participation in the sport. And the grant funding goes to local tri clubs all around the world who are creating programming for women to break down barriers and help them become triathletes and reimagine their potential as athletes. We have a new program called Iron Aid. Those grants are specific for medical-related causes and health-related nonprofit organizations. Again, improving our communities. That is... Our focus, and we're fortunate that we have multiple ways that we can do that. And as an athlete or a potential athlete, and a lot of people say, you know, I don't know if I could do the whole seventy point three miles. You know, I'm not sure I can get the swim done, or I can get the bike done, or running's not my right. thing. And the cutoff
0: times, yeah, the cutoff times. Right. And
1: I always say, you know, we do offer relays at our Ironman seventy point three events, and that is the gateway drug to the rest mm-hmm. of you know the opportunities to race with us. But it's an easy way and it's a fun way.
0: Relays are super fun,
1: super fun. And it's another, I think, hallmark of this sport is the community aspect. You and I both have communities of friends and athletes who we train with, who we race with. And and I've built relationships that will last a lifetime and that are extremely important to me. Again, it goes back to Ohana and family. It's an incredible sport and a relay is just an easy way to get involved.
0: Well, Sarah Hartman, I'm so happy that you're able to join us for our Brand on Purpose podcast. And I also want to thank you for everything that you do, everything that Ironman Group does, everything that Ironman Foundation does, because I do think that you guys show us that anything is possible. So thank you.
1: Thank you so much for having me, for all your support of the Ironman Foundation. Let's race for more. Exactly. This has been an episode of Brand on Purpose with Aaron Quicken. The podcast dedicated to uncovering the untold stories of entrepreneurs and senior leaders who make it their brand's mission to do well by doing good. Special thanks to our amazing team, including the smooth voice you never hear, producer extraordinaire Andrew Kamika, the always on point associate producer, Lindsay Han, who touches every aspect of this podcast, and magic Matt Zikowski, a literal magician who works wonders behind the scenes. Learn more about our show at brandonpurposepod.com and follow our Instagram at the BOP podcast. Learn more about our host at AaronQuicken.com.